You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. Okay, good morning. Welcome to our live podcast recording today. We are excited to give our listeners an opportunity to provide us with some feedback and questions throughout the podcast. So please put any questions you may have in the chat box. And we will be hanging around after the recording for a chance to give you some one-on-one advice. So if you're interested, I will unmute you after the recording and we can have um, some discussions regarding any questions, topics you may have. We'll also be sending out an email following the recording that will have a link to uh, our our podcast episodes. We'll also have a feature where you can submit a request to be a guest on our podcast. So without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. My name is Nicole Galicchio-Ells, and I'm joined today by Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager, and as always, Danielle Cuomo, CEO. Our episode today will be formatted a little differently. Um, We're discussing a topic from various angles, depending on the seat you sit in. We'll be talking about a pretty popular topic, the 24-7 worker, and how to combat this. It is very hard in this new virtual realm to balance work and home because at home, everything is readily available to you, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's your tablet, work can be at your fingertips at all times. So whether you've worked remotely for years or you are working half remote, half in office, or you're just getting started with this at-home work-life balance, we are going to talk about it all. So I'm going to turn it over to Danielle Cuomo, who has been remote for the longest, uh, you know, with, in the three of us, and she can provide some insight on long-term working from home and having work at your fingertips 24-7. Thank you very much, Nicole. Yes, so as Nicole uh, mentioned, I have been working from home um, since 2008, so almost 14 years now. And when the pandemic happened and a lot of companies started going remote and people were working from home, a lot of folks were sort of scrambling to figure out what that looked like for them. And for me, it was sort of business as usual because I had always worked from home. And I did have a lot of uh, colleagues and friends just ask me tips, like, how can I do this and not be feeling like I'm working 24-7, feeling like I'm never uh, shutting the computer, shutting my phone off. And um, I shared with them some ways that I've been able to do it successfully, and I'd be happy to, to share those with everyone today as well. So as I said, I've been working from home for 14 years, and I have found that I feel a lot more productive working from home than I did feel in an office. So in an office for me, my coworkers were sort of my my greatest threat. I would get caught up in uh, just, you know, chit-chatting with coworkers, getting coffee, sort of 
you know, just being social, if you will. And it really kept me from getting a lot of real heads down work done. And definitely the, the social benefits were nice to have, but they, they could definitely become a challenge. And so for me at the home office, I found that I was my own worst enemy. There were a lot of things that, that can be distractions. You're not feeling that same uh, sort of, uh, you know, pressure from others to, to get things done. And so I just sort of, you know, came up with a few tips and tricks for myself and that, that I want to, to share. So for me first, I have always communicated to my family, to anyone that, you know, would be in the house at the time that I might be working from home, but that means that I'm working. So they needed to respect my space during those hours. You know, just because I'm working from home doesn't mean I'm home. And so it wasn't something where, you know, someone could come into my office at any time. There were very clear boundaries um, with everyone in my house. I did also, with those boundaries, make sure that I was always taking clear breaks. And that can go into what Nicole was talking about, where you feel like you're working 24-7. So I would make sure that I had breaks scheduled throughout my day, and I wouldn't take them in my office. So for me, that could be just a break to go outside, get some fresh air. Although I live in the Northeast, so it can be cold a lot of the times. So I might just leave my office and walk into the kitchen and make sure that I was eating my lunch at the table instead of eating my lunch at the desk while I was working. The breaks, you know, for me did not feel like I was being less productive. I think they have made me more productive. They, you know, can really recharge you so that you can, you can do better work in, in, in my case. And I also always picked a definitive uh, finishing time. You know, you can feel like you're getting so caught up in, in your work environment and it's it's very easy to, you know, finish your work day and then and basically work through the night because you're not packing up your things and getting in the car and leaving leaving the office anymore. I did have to create a time for me when I knew that the work day was gonna be over for me. I could start the process of saving my work, getting my to do list ready for the next day and and calling it quits for, for the evening. So that was something that was very important. And finally, with that, I would always schedule and have always scheduled screen-free time for, for myself. So if I am, you know, near my computer, I feel would feel like I need to check my emails, I need to, to do this. Same thing with my phone. And so you sort of have to fight the urge to, to check that. And when you're off duty, um, enjoy that downtime. And so I've just made a set time for myself and my family that, you know, we can fully disconnect at a certain time each night and fully engage with each other, with, you know, real life. And we try to just, you know, schedule those few, you know, screen-free hours. I do still find myself, you know, checking email before bed. And that's probably just the, the nature of my job with leading a team and, and clients. But for for anyone, I would recommend just really scheduling those screen-free hours and and holding to that. And I'm going to ask Cassandra now what tips she has because she has gone from corporate um, to remote in the last few years that she's been working with us. And so she also has a unique perspective as well. So Cassandra, could you share with us? I will be the first to say that it is a struggle. It was definitely not even not even pandemic-wise. I chose to work 
remotely just because of um, more of the benefits, the, you know, the less wear on your car, being with your family more often, basically rolling out of bed and, and walking to my office instead of sitting in traffic. So those were all great benefits. However, I've been in the workforce since I was 14 years old. I was in a corporate setting for basically the, the last like 10, 15 years. And it, it is a, it is a big adjustment. It, it can come down to it. We're, you know, you are basically, you're working at home. So you have that comfort. However, if I needed something and I was in the office, I did, you know, I would be able to like look down my little cubicle lane and, and just like wheel my chair over and, and bother someone if I needed to, you know, and that I didn't have anymore. Um, so I had, I would, our teamwork, um, we rely on, you know, instant messaging and different types of, you know, communication styles and different hours were all over the U.S. So it's like you have all of these different um, variables where in an office setting, it's like everyone is here from nine to five and you're either in building A, B or C and everyone eats lunch at 12. Everyone has a break at two. And at least that was the office that I worked in. So to come from that to, hey, what type of you know, shift do you want to work? What type of communication styles? What time zone are you in? I had never been asked what time zone I was in before. So that was a completely new question for me, just because you, you know, it was just different types of information that I had to learn quickly. I, to say that to be a 24 seven worker, I honestly, I'm still working on that. I have been remote for um, almost three years now. Um, I love being remote because uh, just kind of like what you said, Danielle, starting to take boundaries into effect, definitely keeping in, um, in tune with, you know, making sure you get out, making sure you take your breaks, making sure, you know, if you have a set schedule from nine to five, then work nine to five. That is something um, I did not understand the first time because how I looked at it was, well, I'm here. I, you know, I have nothing else to do. I can, I can totally do this. And then it kind of sets yourself up for, you're going to get burned out. You're, you know, you're not going to be able to basically have downtime. Um, and yes, I, you know, I have a family on the other side of my office door and it's like, oh, well, you know, you see your family all the time, but in retrospect, it's like, you, you don't, I can hear them but I'm not sitting down and playing trains or, you know, going out to the park or just because I work from home, I'm still working. I'm still having client calls. I'm still talking to my team members. I'm still working one-on-one. -on -one. So just because you work from home doesn't take the corporate aspect out. Moving from an office to remote, there are a lot of challenges faced, like I had said. I can give some insight. Moving from in office to remote. I worked with clients where I would have to travel to back and forth to Manhattan. And it was an hour and a half commute there, a, a taxi ride to their office, and then an hour to two hour meeting, and then back on the train home. I kept thinking to myself while I was in that space, couldn't this have been a video call and it would have just been as efficient? 
it was that time where I started to think I need to make the transition, regardless if it's in a corporate environment or if it's for a small business. Projects took me weeks. They absolutely took me weeks. And I couldn't figure out why this project that should have taken me six hours was taking me weeks. Cassandra, you had touched upon that I could just roll over to um, the cubicle and ask a question. And as an executive, that happens all the time. Employees would just quickly pop in my office. And at the same time, I'm thinking I didn't need to take the train ride to see a client while it helps with the sale, while it helps with the in-person connections. I could be you know, more efficient in other ways. So making the transition home with clients, sales in mind, team members in mind was hard. It was something that I did in pieces. It wasn't something that I did like Danielle, where I just came into the office and I'm now home. Um, or Cassandra, like you went from corporate to just now being home. I did a transition where I was part in the office and part remote. And I think a lot of people are faced with this now. Well, I was faced with it seven, eight years ago. The pandemic has caused people to work part-time at home and part-time in the office and not making that decision for yourself, there are definitely going to be struggles, right? It was a, a choice I made and a choice I thought about and how I was going to do things. I also exactly. struggle with being a 24 seven worker. There is, it, it is clear to everyone around me that I definitely work 24 seven. It was for the first couple of years working at home, something I struggled with having a work-life balance. I was always in my phone. My computer was with me all the time. And I felt this need to do so. I felt compelled. And if I didn't, I felt guilty. So you're probably saying, well, how did you combat that? If it's something that's been built into you for 20 years that you need to work or you need to get a project done. Um, I stopped feeling guilty when I was not working. I do, like Danielle does, schedule time. I definitely put lunch on my calendar. I do put in different life events that I'm just going to take off from, and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. If I want to check my emails at 11 o'clock at night because I happen to be awake, I don't let myself get upset. I check my emails. It goes through my brain, out my brain, and I don't harp on it. I also have trained myself to say, this is imp not that important. It can wait till the morning. So it is definitely an entire lifestyle change that has to be a choice. And I think a lot of our listeners may be struggling with, well, it wasn't my choice to be half in office or half remote. Um, Danielle, do you have any advice for our listeners that it's not their choice to necessarily be home working? I think, you know, for for us, it was something, or for me, you know, at least it was something that I, I chose and I had wanted to, to build my business around. And so I think for those who, for whom it's not a choice, when you're sort of forced into the remote work because of whether it was the pandemic or, or just the nature of your company, I think the biggest piece that those folks are, are generally missing is the social aspect of it. And so one, I would say to, to just make sure, again, that you're interacting with other people, that you're scheduling that time. And then secondly, um, and this is something that I believe we're going to talk about in a little bit, 
is talk to your managers, your boss, about creating a more a social environment for your team. So can you guys have virtual happy hours? Can you do virtual trivia nights? Can you create more of a team feel, even though you are all working remotely? And that can really help, I think, I think quite, quite a bit. Yeah, I uh, to speak on that. So working in the, the corporate field, that was one thing I actually used to look forward to. Every Friday night, our team would go out for happy hour. We would all meet at the local restaurant down the street. And that was our, the week is done feel. And when I started working from home, that was definitely something I missed. Um, just because like you said, it's that social aspect. Like you go from working with the team around you to basically your home with your family and your computer. And then of course, obviously when quarantine happens and, and all of that, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I need to get out. I think our team has done a, a great job with learning your team, but still virtually. So one of the things that I have definitely enjoyed is the social aspect that we do is we just kind of have that happy hour or we do the trivia, but we all do it virtually. And we still learn about our, our, our teammates. So I think this year we did a secret Santa and we have 22 different employees all over the U S and it was still that surprise and fun factor of learning who your other person was, even just sending something via snail mail. And I, I always, I've enjoyed that personally. And to actually tell you that I've taken away some good friendships just from being virtually, I've never met them physically in person. Um, I've only had conversations um, via chat or social media, but like I can sit there, I could send TikToks or memes or just, you know, the other, the team members, they get you. And it, it's nice to have that type of social interaction without not having to, to worry about be getting sick or anything along those lines. So I think that has definitely helped and it definitely helps learning about someone. I mean, I mean, and obviously if you're working remotely, there are going to be some team members and you get this in the office as well, that they just kind of want to show up, do what they need to do and, and leave. And that's perfectly fine. If, if that's what, you know, is needed, then, then by all means, but definitely, like you said, Danielle, I think bringing that employee engagement um, and that team morale is definitely helpful um, because, you know, we're all, we're all humans. We need that social interaction. You need to have that type of, that type of bond. Uh, personally, that's, you know, my opinion. I think I just want to piggyback off what you said about some people in the office may not want to partake. I think it's a lot easier working remotely for your team to do what they want to do. If one of our team members does not feel they want to participate, and I'll use the secret Santa for an example, if they don't want to participate with the secret Santa, no one on our team is, is pressuring them. It's remote. It's an independent role where you have control over your work environment. If you are looking for that social aspect as an executive, a manager, a team lead, open those doors to engagement, see who participates, ask them questions. What do they want within their work day? And those that don't, then that's great because it works, it works for them as well. I think that there 
are opportunities to make a nice balance for your team members within your company when you're remote or if you're even part remote and part in office. If you're struggling right now with, do I force my team members to come back to the office during the pandemic? I think you really have to consider what their pr productivity was like when they're not in the office. Are they more valuable of an employee working from home? Because that makes them happier. Are they getting more projects done from home or do they need to be in the office? Is it a position that requires they physically do something in the office or even can they physically do it from home? I think that the culture surrounding forcing employees to be in office is at a turning point. And it's something that executives really need to think about if you're getting pushback from your employees about being back in the office. I agree. So now that we've talked about um, different boundaries, some ways to keep up morale, I want to talk about communication styles because I don't know about you guys, but I have found when you're in office, if someone is standing in front of you, you can basically see everything. I can see their body language. I can see their tone. I can see exactly how they are pre presenting themselves. If I'm working with someone remotely, I there. if you don't know them personally, if you haven't spoken with them before, there can be a lot of misinterpretation, I guess, to say. How do you handle that, Nicole, Danielle? What are your intakes? Yeah, this is a great question and something that comes up often. I know firsthand what my behavioral style is and how my communication can come across to someone that is new. I am very analytical, a very fast paced worker. My messages can often be short and to the point, not because I'm trying to be rude. I'm just busy and I'm looking to get the most out of my day. Being transparent and knowing your behavioral style and knowing your team's style, that if they need a little extra attention or they need a little more communication from you is important. So being transparent to my team to say, I'm not being short, I am quite busy. If you need something, here is my scheduling link. I'm happy to make time. But that unspoken tone that comes across via chat or email is important. Taking the extra moment to read something to make sure it is saying what you really want it to say is a step I normally take, especially in an email rather than a chat. I think expressing to your team, and there are many platforms that you can use such as DISC, Meyer Briggs, things like that to know your communication style, know your behavioral style, know your work ethics. Um, is important just to be transparent with a remote team because in person, in an office, my team would see that I'm smiling and I'm walking quickly past their desk or I take a minute to stand there and talk to them and everything is, is great. I'm engaged and my tone is very different in person rather than via chat or email. So just taking that step to be cognizant and bringing it front to mind and being very mindful of expressing what your style is truly helps in my opinion. Would you agree, Danielle? What kind of things do you put in place yeah. with tone? Yeah, very much so. So I think, you know, when you're working remotely, it is easy to take everything remote. You are certainly doing more emails because you're not 
you know, passing by someone's cubicle or office and, and chit-chatting with them. And so I think for us, it's been really important to be intentional about having a regular cadence of one-on-one time, whether that's on a Zoom call or even just a phone call, to be able to establish that that interpersonal communication. And so when we are firing off a quick email or we're utilizing our team chat room feature, there there is still that sense of of personal connection. Because we're working remotely, those one-on-one times, the check-ins, um, the regular cadence of meetings are super important for us. And I think um, a secondary tip that, that we do is just reviewing and kind of taking a pulse of our team has been vital for us. So things can, again, in a remote environment, they're different. Um, it doesn't mean they're better or worse, but they're just different. And so for us, we do regular anonymous reviews where we will survey all of our employees um, anonymously, and we give them the opportunity to ask questions and provide feedback about how we as managers are doing, <clears throat> how they're feeling about our communication, and most importantly, what we can do better. And because we do this in an anonymous format, they've been able to be more forthcoming, provide more feedback because they don't feel, you know, that they're, you know, directly criticizing anything, if you will. Um, and they're able to to be free and, and share that feedback. And so I think, you know, my two tips would be making sure that just because you're remote doesn't mean that you're offline all the time. So making the time for, for Zoom connections, um, making the time for one-on-one phone calls, you know, purposeful phone calls, not just, you know, for no good reason, but making them advantageous for everyone. And then secondarily, asking for, for that feedback, having a regularly occurring way to ask for feedback. And if you can do it anonymously, we've found that that has provided us as managers um, with more helpful feedback. Yeah, I um, I have, I only have one thing to add to that because those were great tips between the two of you. I was told, this was actually from a customer service service job I had when I was 16 and I kind of kept it with me and it's actually served very well in the lines but if you smile and have a conversation your smile will portray your tone so if you're ever if you're having a new client call and you know you're nervous if you're if you just smile it just brings a different type of tone in your voice So that way you can try to portray what you're trying to get across without coming across rude or um, any, in any type of negative way, which you're trying to avoid. I don't know why that has always stuck with me. That would be my one tip. That's a great tip because now I'm smiling. (laughs) I don't know if anyone else is smiling. I don't know why. Nicole, before we take any questions um, from the chat or Q&A, I'd love if uh, you could just share with the audience how we've been able to optimize our team in a remote environment. So you and Cassandra are managing more than 20 team members, all working remotely, different time zones, different roles, certainly different personalities. So I'd love it if you guys could share um, a few tips about that. Sure. Yes. It is something I think first and foremost, when you're looking to optimize a team remotely, you have to understand that things are going to change. You need to be flexible in understanding that this is an ever-growing 
learning environment, especially as an executive or a manager, because technology is always changing. The platforms we're using are always changing. So having a main hub is something that I highly recommend. We have a main hub that holds all of our accounts. It holds our group chats, our individual chats, and it is something that is vital to a remote team. If you are scattered all over the place and who's chatting with who on Slack or who's chatting with who via text, it is completely all over the place. So I think getting the right platforms and platforms that integrate with one another is going to be your first step in optimizing a remote team. Growth is, I think, something your entire team needs to understand that when you're growing remotely, it is completely different than if you were growing in office. In office, you're adding a few more cubicles, maybe adding another team. But when you're remote, there is this odd communication that gets lost in just the nature of being remote where a new team member comes on board and despite team meetings, despite team chats, they may struggle, right, with that coming on board as a remote team member. So understanding your team, taking the time out to make sure that everyone understands this environment and the platforms that you use is something that is going to assist with success and growth with a team remotely. Setting boundaries and, and I think talking to your team about the different boundaries is important, right? Remote, we can often say things that we may not have said in office. I think that it's important to remember customer service. It's important to express a professional environment because we are at home and that often can just skew, I think, our professional environment if we are working with family right outside the door. Dressing for the occasion is something that we make sure our team members do. I think it helps set the tone for video calls. It helps set the tone for just your day, right? Refreshing yourself. Cassandra, do you have any suggestions? Um, I should say, I know you have suggestions about uh, delegating to a team as a manager and optimizing that delegation. Delegation is definitely something that it, it works wonders. One thing that I have found that works great on my end um, with a team is using different types of project management tools. So I am a fan of Asana, Monday.com, Trello, all of those. Reason being is basically I can set up all of the tasks that I need handled for any given client. I can invite all of my uh, assistants that I need help with or that are assisting me with clients themselves. Add in all the details, the due dates, anything along those lines, and then assign to said assistant. I can then oversee everything that is going on within that task. The one key point though, you need to make sure you have strong communication between you and your assistant. Um, and the reason being is you can create these project management tools all you want, but if the assistant is not using them, then they're, they're slightly pointless. So 
what I like to do is state, this is where every task is. These are all the details. Please make sure you put in any comments, questions, any type of information all in here. This then allows me to go in, see exactly where everything is, where the due dates are, follow up if I need to, and so forth and so on. Those have been um, very helpful on our end, um, especially when I manage you know, different types of, of uh, assistants and every assistant works differently. But this seems to be a tool that has definitely helped. Another way is just communication styles in general. So you need to know when you're delegating, you need to know who you're working with. Um, it is going to be a little stressful at first, but trust the process. I always say that, just, just trust the process. Basically because you have to run smoothly with your assistant. So I have one assistant that I know if I give her point A, B, and C, she will come back with E, F, G, H, and I, and further questioning, which is great because then that tells me, okay, I need to give her more details. So then you're learning as you go. I also have another assistant that I know if I do not give her A through I, then only A through D is going to get done. No questions are going to be asked. And that's that. So you have to understand the communications. You need to learn what you need to be you know, handled. You need to have that, that balance. And like I said, it, it will be a struggle at first to learn that communication style. But that's one of the reasons why the project management tools have definitely been a key point in my process. We have an episode coming out that is all things delegation. So if this is an area that you are struggling with, um, the next coming episodes will feature delegation. So Danielle, do you have, you had one more thing to add before we wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, I just had one more thing to add when we were talking about, you know, managing remote remote teams. If a team member isn't a good fit for working remotely, leading the remote team as the manager is going to be much harder. I think really looking back to the hiring process is really a critical aspect of managing the remote team. I know we talked a lot about what to do when your team sort of suddenly goes remote, your company has already been remote. I think we overlooked the hiring piece. And Nicole um, handles the bulk of our hiring. And I think one one thing that, that we have done is when we're recruiting, when we're hiring, we're figuring out if this person is going to be a good fit for working remotely. So they have to, beyond their practical skill sets, <clears throat> no matter what platforms they know or how much experience they have, they have to have certain characteristics. They have to be self-motivated. They definitely have to, you know, have a positive attitude and certainly be, be a team player and be willing to, to engage with other team members and not just, you know, because they're working remotely sort of hide, hide behind their computer, if you will. And so I just wanted to share that tip with, with folks that, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, remote, remote working, not to overlook the hiring process, because I think that's, that's really critical. You want to find someone, again, that has the right personality fit for, for working remotely, has the right characteristics. Thank you, Danielle. I think that is a really great point. And being the one who does a lot of hiring and who has been hiring for remote positions for close to a decade now, there are a lot of 
candidates who think they want to work remotely or think it's going to be a great fit and they're transitioning right out the gate from working full-time in person to full-time remote. There are definitely specific questions I ask them during the recruiting process just to get a pulse on, is this something that is going to be successful for them long-term? Because a lot of mindsets are, I'm going to work from home. It's going to be great. And it is a very different environment. And someone coming directly from corporate, it could be isolating. It could be challenging. So I think that's really important if you're looking to hire remotely to take these things into account. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to take some questions. We are going to uh, have some one-on-one -on -one discussion. So I'm just going to wrap up our podcast and we will move to direct advice. So thank you for listening today to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. We thank you for listening to being a 24-7 worker, especially in this remote environment. We hope that you listened to our other episodes and found value in this. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Elves, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.